Good morning and welcome home, sisters, brothers, siblings and friends, those who are joining us on site and online. Very good morning to all of you and uh, wherever you are, peace be upon you. Before we start, you know, I, I have always loved to do this because like, you know, kickstart the morning and uh, wake everybody's, everybody up, right? whether you're online or on site. Last turn to one another, right? at least I smile and wave to one another and say hi to each other, alright? So that, you know, like this is a church, is a family, and it's not a community club or a movie theater, right? That you're just watching in. We, all of us, come together as the people and children of God, all right? And we worship as a community. So we are into our land series, all right? And I find it very fun. The land series title will be Here, Here We Grow. So, in preparing ourselves for the journey in this land, in this Sunday's worship to encounter God, I'd like to invite all of us, alright, to join our hearts together to respond to the call to worship. And if you are ready to grow, may I invite those who are willing and able to join me and to, in standing to, in responding to the call to worship. Come, walk in green pastures. We follow, follow the, the shepherd. shepherd. Come, lie down in green pastures. We trust the shepherd. Come, dine at the table of abundance. We are fed by the shepherd. Come, dwell in God's house. We live in the shepherd's care. Loving shepherd, you know our names. You care for us. When we face darkness and death, walk beside us. When we hunger for your love, fill us with your presence. When we are fearful, feed us at your table. May we, May we dwell, dwell in the house of goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. Amen. Now let's join our hearts and voices at home together, right? With the worship team for a time of worship. For those who are on site, you know, the first uh, song is actually, a, a, you know, like more upbeat. You may want to remain standing and then worship, you know, the Lord together. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Blessed be your glorious
shield and I have confidence. You go before me. You are my deliverer. I know I never walk alone. Please be seated. You know, I've really, I really have doubts about Jimmy's definition of an upbeat worship song. But, but as we come to the prayer segment of the service, may I just invite all of us to quieten down our hearts and gather our thoughts and come to God in prayer. God, indeed, we thank you for being forever present in our life. No matter what the situation that we are in our life at this moment. God, as we see what's happening around in the world, often we are at a loss of words of what to pray. So as... I read out an excerpt of what Pope Francis prayed for the Ukraine war. Forgive us, O Lord. Forgive us. If we are not satisfied with the nails with which we crucified your hands, as we continue to slate our thirst with the blood of those mocked by weapons, forgive us. If these hands with which you created to tend have been transformed into instruments of death. Forgive us, O Lord, if we continue to kill our brother. Forgive us, if we continue like Cain, to pick up the stones of our fields to kill Abel. Forgive us, if we continue to justify our cruelty with our labours, if we legitimise the brutality of our actions with our pain. Forgive us for war, O Lord. Forgive us for war, O Lord. God, indeed, as we see the violence in this world, and when we feel helpless, may you remind us that violence is not just physical. It's, it's not just, you know, the war and horror. It's not just only the war and horror experienced by people in Ukraine and Russian soldiers. But in our own lives, violence can be the words that we speak. Violence can be the silent treatment that we give to others. Violence can be the shutting down of emotions and of ourselves to others. God, as we continue with our daily lives, thinking that we are not being impacted by any violence. May we reflect our own actions, our own thoughts, our own emotions that we may not create violence onto others. And when we are receiving violence, may we learn to pause 
not to react immediately, but really be anchored in you, be anchored in your love. And may you, gain, may you grant us the wisdom and the strength to stand up if and when necessary and to learn if and when necessary to return violence with love. God, we continue to lift up every human being up to you, no matter what our situation is, what our status in life is, for we know that each and every one is your beloved creation and that may violence in this world one day be ceased. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. After the pride, after the fall, the hands of mercy opened wide. After the rain, after the flood, you set your promise in the sky.
sing for me and you the Welcome to our service here at FCC. I'm so thankful that we get the chance uh, even to worship together. So whether you're here on site, being present, whether you're present online, um, it's always a joy and really a privilege for us to worship together as God's people. And so now as we enter into a time for the sermon, I wanted to invite you to get onto menti.com uh, with me. Um, we use Mendy.com as a way for us to interact a little bit on the sermon. And your input has always been um, so helpful and insightful. And you know, I would love to hear from you as we go through the sermon together. Okay, so if you go into a browser, Mendy.com, or you can use uh, the QR code. Um, the number today, the code today is 6961-3561. So 6961-3561. So give you a couple of moments to kind of get on, uh, and we will go with our sermon today. And so like many of you know, we are in this season of Lent. And in this season, our preaching series, as uh, Jimmy uh, mentioned earlier, uh, it's Here We Grow. And today, 
we are talking about withering. Withering. To say here we grow, withering, sounds a little bit like an oxymoron, right? A bit like a contradiction, no? Like, how do we grow when we are withering? Is withering really a part of the process of growth? And so, as you may know, to wither uh, actually means to grow old, dry up, shrink, shrivel, wrinkle, wilt, decline, languish, die. I think all the words that we actually don't like to hear, right? I mean, withering is a process of growing old. It's wrinkling, declining, even dying. Well, it's not death yet. You know, if you see a plant, right, when it's withering, you kind of know, right, the leaves are drooping, you know, it's turning a little bit brown, like a bit not enough water. It's not death yet, but you know it's kind of dying, right? So withering is when we become aware and conscious that we are declining in some way. Maybe our bodies ache more. Maybe our eyesight is not as good as before. Yeah, many of us preachers, we are like, oh, can you make the... <laughs> fall a bit bigger, right? We have more health issues and we're creeping up. We become increasingly aware that there's a limit to our lives. You know, in general, for those of us who are in our teens or our 20s, death may seem like a very distant reality, right? But those of us in our 40s, 50s, 60s and more, death is no longer an improbability or a distant reality we've kind of begun to feel the declining of our bodies in various ways. Death is actually something we all need to confront and even to befriend. It's not something we can or should run away from. And that's why we're confronting death and decline head-on in this sermon today. You see, the Bible is full of wisdom when it comes to death and life. For example, the psalmist himself was very aware of the brevity of life, of that value of life. In Psalm 90, he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that had just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. And then he says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad for all of our days. And so as the psalmist says, we know at some point we will die. And that's why he says in Psalms 90 verse 12, a verse that's probably very familiar to many of us, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. 
And in another version, it says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. I think before we can gain a heart of wisdom, we need to acknowledge and confront death because it is a reality, but something that we often don't want to think about. So let me ask you, are you afraid of death? If you really search within yourself, what do you fear about death? Whether it's the death of someone you love, right? When you think about someone that you love, losing that person, what do you fear? Perhaps your own death even, what do you fear? For some people, they fear not death itself, but the process, right? They fear suffering, pain. Oh, some people say nothing, yay, wow, okay? Regrets, yeah. to have a slow death, yeah. Dreams, can't come sooner. <laughs> death of my loved ones, pain, right? Pain really stands out, right? Because for many of us, what we fear is not really death itself, in a way, right? Because we know death will come. We are afraid of a slow death. We are afraid of pain. We are afraid of suffering. A sense of loss. We're, we are afraid of the way that we may die. Like some of you put homicide and drowning and different things, right? goes through your mind when you think about death. We're afraid of our parents grieving. There are many, many things that actually come up for us when we think about death and decline. And some of us wonder what comes after. And we don't know for some of us, right? The uncertainty is fearful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing vulnerably about how you feel and what you fear. That's hard, right? And I know I'm starting off the sermon with a question that's not easy. But thank you for sharing openly from your hearts. Richard Ross says, you must die before you die, then you will know how to die and not be afraid of it. Wow, that's quite a deep and profound saying, right? You must die before you die, and then you will know how to die and not be afraid of it. I don't know how many of you feel like you are in the withering phase of your life. You know, when I talked about oh, how we can feel the decline in our bodies, you know, the the concerns of health coming up. I don't know how many of you, you know, when you meet up with your friends, you're actually talking about your health. You know, like, oh, yeah, my blood pressure now has been this. Oh, yes, you know, uh, yeah, I've been like, you know, feeling a lot of uh, challenges here and there, right? As you grow older, suddenly our talk talks about health, a lot of health things, right? Maybe you're feeling the effects of your age. And for some of you, maybe it's not so much chronological age. Maybe you're young chronologically. But your situation or your circumstances in your life right now makes you feel like you're withering inside. Because withering can sometimes feel like a part of us is dying or something within us is dying. And death is a very difficult reality for many of us to confront. Whether it's the death of someone we love, the death of someone or something within us, even our own death. We have a lot of questions and uncertainty around death. And that's what makes us more fearful, because it's uncertain. And Jesus had 
much to teach us about death. And what Raw says is exactly what Jesus tries to teach the people around him whom he loved. You must die before you die, and then you will know how to die and not be afraid of it. Last week, Miak shared about Martha and Mary and their interaction with Jesus at their home. Do you know Martha and Mary had another sibling? They had a brother named Lazarus. And from what we know in the Gospels, Jesus was close friends with all three of them. And so, if you go to John 11, you will hear and and see uh, this story about something that happened, right? So in John 11, the sisters sent a message to Jesus. And they said, Lord, the one whom you love is ill, meaning Lazarus. And when Jesus heard it, he said to the people around him, this illness does not lead to death, rather it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And so, interestingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed for two more days, longer in the place where he was. And that's a very strange thing, right? Usually when you hear that someone you love is sick, you would want to rush to their side. So in John 11, it says, Finally, after delaying for two more days, Jesus arrived in Bethany, where they are. And he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother, And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, Well, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And we know the ending of the story, right? How Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. When they got to the tomb, which is actually a cave, Jesus asked them to roll away the stone. And Martha at that moment hesitated at first because she said, you know, Jesus, there will be quite a strong stench. Lazarus has already been dead for four days, so, you know, the decomposition and everything. But Jesus challenged her to believe, and they finally rolled the stone away. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were bound with strips of cloth. His face was wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. He was alive. You see, the miracle of the raising of Lazarus is the climax of John 11, verse 1 to 44. But it's not the center. Out of 
the 44 verses that constitute this story, and that's why I'm not reading the whole story to you, because it's quite long, only seven of them take place at Lazarus' tomb. The story actually centers on the conversations that Jesus has with Martha and Mary as, it, as he makes his way to Lazarus' tomb. And these conversations highlight that the raising of Lazarus is a demonstration of God's power to give life, not just physical life, but spiritual life from within, eternal life. We know in this story that Jesus loves this whole family very much. They're very close to his heart. Yet his actions are quite puzzling. Instead of rushing to the assistance of this beloved family, Jesus deliberately stays longer. He stays away longer. And he explains quite clearly that he's doing so because this family situation belongs to a larger story. Lazarus' illness is part of the story of the glory of God. This illness is not an isolated event. It's part of Jesus' ministry and mission, actually. Because when Jesus finally heads towards this family in Bethany, he does so knowing that his return to Judea carries with it the possibility of his own death. And he mentions that in verse 8. Jesus' own future and the future of this family are inextricably linked. So the conversation between Martha and Jesus is the theological heart of the story. Martha's opening words to Jesus express both a complaint as well as her confidence in him. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of God. You know, many of us do the same thing, right? Perhaps more the complain part than the confidence part, right? We tell God, if only you would hear, if only you would heal or move or work, things wouldn't be like this. But Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry, I have a plan. We know that Jesus can heal Lazarus. He has done it before with others. He just chooses not to. And John's Gospel tells us that Jesus delayed for God's glory. But to be honest, the delay didn't feel glorious at all. Why was Jesus deliberately delaying? There must be something important going on here. Something so important that it was worth delaying three days. Three days! Even if it, that meant hurting the people he loved. Even if the tragedy of Lazarus' death and the weeping of all who loved him would overcome Jesus that he weeps and he breaks down too. And you'll find that when you read the story. Jesus needed these three days because without them, we might have missed the point. Without them, his actions might have felt like business as usual, just another one of his ordinary day-to-day -day miraculous healing things that he does. You see, it's been three days and healing is no longer an option here. Lazarus is gone, 
buried in a tomb, all wrapped up. Lazarus isn't mostly dead. He's not withering. He is completely dead. Many Jews of that time believed that a soul hung around a body for three days before moving on. And this meant that up until that third day, maybe something could still be done. Maybe we could have some hope that a miraculous healing might still occur. But Jesus stalls and delays so that any type of healing, even a miraculous one, is no longer an option. Because this isn't a healing, it's a resurrection. It's a resurrection. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? If you think about it, it's quite a strange thing to ask a grieving person. But he needs her to understand. Those three days that he delayed, they were not for nothing. There's reason to hope. There's a method to the madness, so to say. More importantly, there's some unbelievably good news here. Growing up, I always thought that the point of this story of Jesus miraculously raising Lazarus from the dead is meant to reassure us about what was waiting for us in the end times. A bit like what Martha told Jesus, right? Yeah, I believe that my brother will resurrect at the end of time. The promise that we will all be raised like Jesus and like Lazarus one day is actually not the only thing in this story. Maybe Jesus has something more for us. You can hear it clearly in Jesus' words. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. What does Jesus mean by those who live and believe in me will never die? It's as if he's talking about this life now. Not just about the future. Yes, the resurrection, the future, yes. But perhaps he's also talking about this life now. What if Jesus is underlining the importance of the life to come and this life now? What if, as part of his promise, Jesus is offering countless mini-resurrections times when we will die and be reborn throughout the whole of our life until we get to the final death and resurrection at the end of our lives. And perhaps this is why that three days of delay mattered. So let me ask you, what is one thing that you think is withering or dead in your life right now? Is this something when you actually look into your life, you feel ah, that part is kind of withering, it's not doing so good, like the plant that is kind of bent, the leaves, it's kind of brown, or maybe even dead, there's a part of you that's completely dead and you go like, ah, you know, I've given up, it's dead. Hopes and dreams, yeah. For many of people, right, 
it feels almost like your hopes and dreams are gone. Romantic love, friendship, knowledge, family relations, peace, trust, all friendships, knowledge, work, mental health, mm -hmm. reconciliation with ex, mm -hmm. heartbreak, mm -hmm. your own health, your career success, your stocks, your body, many different things, right, come to mind for some of us. Perhaps we are in this season where a part of us feels like it's dying. A part of us feels like it's withering. You may think something is dead. This relationship is over. This job is gone forever. My health will never be the same again. This life of faith has ended. My time in this community is gone. That time of happiness will never return. That part of me is dead. But you know, having a God of resurrection means that the story is seldom over when we think it is. As Gracie Allen wisely said, never place a period, meaning a full stop, never place a period where God has placed a comma. Never place a period where God has placed a comma. Nadia Boatsweber says, we are all in need of resurrection, all of us, both in the final sense and in the immediate sense. We all have tombs in our lives, caves within our hearts, and each one represents an ending of something a relationship, a belief, a moment, perhaps even the end of this pandemic, this moment. God has an amazing way of reaching into our tombs, our caves, and shining light on the dark places. God has a way of resurrecting us from the graves that keep us entombed. God just keeps loving us back to life over and over again. After all these years, right, we sang earlier, God just keeps loving us back to life over and over again. And this is why Jesus' delay was worth it. Yes, Jesus could have healed Lazarus from afar. He did that with the centurion's servant. He just proclaimed the word. But he needed Mary and Martha and all of us to realize the lengths and the depths to which God will go for the sake of love. We need to know that there's nothing out of God's reach. Nothing. And that means we are never alone, even if we feel like we are. Because hope was and is shining and will always shine through the darkness because there is no place God's love cannot go, even death. So as we continue through this season of Lent, even in the midst of unknown times and great anxiety, 
I invite you to be surprised by empty tombs and resurrection. Be surprised by God's love showing up in unexpected places, in the places that you thought were dead, was withering. Be surprised that a withering branch might come back to life. Don't just wither away and languish and feel sorry for yourself. See, we see Jesus in John 11. He had raised Lazarus from the dead. And in John 12, just a chapter after, he's actually talking about his own death already. And Jesus was talking to his disciples and he says, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it, and those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. I don't know about you, but when I was meditating on this verse, I wondered, does a seed really have to die in order to produce many new kernels? Right, so I'm going to ask you, right? It's a multiple choice question, so you can choose yes, no, I don't know, right? And I don't know is a valid answer also, okay? Does a seed really have to die in order to produce many new kernels? Because if a seed is completely dead, how does it give life? Right, so I was like, oh, I was wondering, I don't really know, you know, if this is true. I'm not a gardener, I don't know anything about plants, but I was like, oh, does a seed really have to die in order to produce many kernels? Yes! says five. No, says ten, which is double the people who said yes. And a lot of you say, I don't know. Very good answer also, because my, my answer was, I don't know. <laughs> okay? And that's why I had to go do research right, on plants. Right? So many, more, most of you said no. Okay? So you know something, all of you gardeners in some way. Yeah? Okay. So the answer is both yes and no. Ah, trick question, right? <laughs> it's both yes and no. Because it turns out Jesus was really a very good gardener. His knowledge of seeds and growth was extensive. And the death he's talking about is actually of the external form of the kernel of wheat. We know, like you see in the picture, botanically that the embryo in the seed is not dead. It does not die before it germinates and grows into a mature plant. The embryo needs to be alive in order to grow. Right? The seed inside the shell does not die. It's the outer shell of the seed that dies and falls off, like you see there, sheds away, so that the water can get to the seed inside and nourish it and bring it back to life. The kernel needs to lose its existence as grain and become something else entirely. It has to change its form entirely so that it can bring new life and produce many new kernels. And the outer shell, in some way, it represents our old cells that must also die and fall off so that new life can be produced. You see, even in death, Jesus saw his purpose very clearly. And he wants us also to see our purpose in life and in death clearly. 
Like Richard Ross said, you must die before you die and then you will know how to die and not be afraid of it. I think Raw describes beautifully what it means to grow as a human. Growth usually happens when there's a death of some kind, the loss of a relationship, a job, maybe even the death of a loved one. And precisely at the same time that death occurs, new life emerges out of the death. You see, the ebb and flow of life is always played out through death and resurrection. And so there's nothing to be afraid of. So let me ask you this question. What is one thing in your life that is withering, but now when you think about it, it might lead to growth and new life? It could be something similar to what you said earlier, you know, that one thing that's withering, but now you're realizing maybe it could lead to growth and new life. Or it could be something completely different. You're like, oh yeah, that part of me is dying, is dead. Yeah. But maybe there's something else that's coming up for me. That is growth actually. New life. Maybe something I didn't even expect. Learning from past mistakes, yes. Right? Sometimes we think, oh, that's terrible and that's over. And, but there's something we can learn that brings us into new life. Relationships. Relations with certain people. My career at my current company. Self-love. Mm-hmm. Enduring pain. Mm-hmm. Past school friends. Yeah? Career. Compassion. Yeah, bringing compassion to life. That's beautiful. Past aspirations. So some hopes and dreams may die, perhaps they are new hopes and dreams that are lying in wait for you. A less honest form of a friendship, move to a new job, congratulations. Trusting yourself, pride, learning, obsession in career advancement, understanding humans and how they work, yeah? In a new new way, right, you learn. Being able to meet new friends that I can have a deep connection with, Isn't that a gift, right? Being able to have friends that you have connection with, my relationship with my parents as they age and dementia takes hold. That's hard. That's letting go of something that you're familiar with and grappling with something new. But perhaps that relationship takes on a new form, a more balanced partnership with my current partner, sorting out emotional health issues, your career versus your life priorities, and spiritual growth, my selfish ambition. So many things, so many amazing, beautiful things that are withering and then actually seeing new life, seeing God give growth to. It's beautiful. You know, we are earthen vessels, Paul tells us, carrying something very precious within us. See, Paul totally understood what Jesus was saying in John. Because in 2 Corinthians 4, he describes it as us having this treasure in clay jars. He says, So, we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, the outer shell, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary 
affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure because we look not at what can be seen but at what cannot be seen for what can be seen is temporary but what cannot be seen is eternal. So we do not lose heart. Over these past two years of pandemic, a lot has changed and perhaps some things have withered away. But as Paul says, some things may be wasting away, but our inner nature is being renewed day by day. So we do not lose heart. We continue to practice ways to deepen our connection with God and with community. Make use of the resources that are available to you. Last week, if you remember, Myak invited us to do a two-minute practice twice daily until Easter. It's a practice where you go into a moment of silence and you say, Thy will be done. You take three deep breaths and then you continue, Thy will be done. And then three deep breaths for two minutes, twice a day. And he says, will you practice that until Easter? And then this past Wednesday, I taught and led a time of centering prayer where we started with an experience of three minutes and then five minutes of receptive, silent prayer. Centering prayer really is about experiencing God's presence within us. We choose a sacred word that represents our willingness and the opening of our whole being, our hearts, our minds to God. In our time of silent prayer, whenever our thoughts start to drift, we use the sacred word to gently guide us back to the moment to ground us back to being in the presence of God. For me, I use this app to help me. It's a beautiful app. It's free. It's got centering prayer. It gives you a guided sequence with lovely readings from scripture and other reflections. It also has a built-in timer with a choice for your duration of silence. So you can start with two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, up to you. So like the two-minute practice that Myak shared, centering prayer is not difficult to do. But consistency is what helps these practices to truly benefit us. Be intentional and committed to what you say is important to you. Some of you have shared with me that you honestly feel more disconnected from community over the past two years. You feel like things are different. People are different. And that's understandable. We haven't been able to gather in the same way as before. We haven't been able to have meals or casual conversations easily as before. And so that makes it hard for us to really connect with one another in the same way. And many things have changed. And for some of you, you want to find a way back in, a way to reconnect with old friends and perhaps to get to know new friends. We are trying our best to create spaces for connection, even as things slowly open up. So please feel free to reach out to either Miak or me if you feel that we can help you to make some connections. Withering is not always a bad thing. Perhaps it's part of the process of growth and change. My prayer for us in this season is this. May we grow back, not to what was, but instead towards what we can become.
May we grow back not to what was, but instead towards what we can become. May God help us to become all that God has created us to be. Amen. As we come to a time of Holy Communion, may I invite those at home to prepare, take a moment to prepare your elements so they can partake of the meal together. <clears throat> we gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time, we are all not physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. Good Shepherd, we take your care for granted. In the midst of your many blessings, we complain of not having enough. In the presence of danger, we fail to trust your abiding love. When you set a table before us, we turn aside from you. Call us back into your fold and help us. Trust your caring presence and provision that our actions may proclaim your truth. Let's say this together. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. God forgives our failures and calls us back into the flock. Living God, our good shepherd, we are the sheep of your pasture. You know us by name. We, we offer grateful thanks for your loving care. Open our hearts and minds to the guiding of your spirit in our lives. Lead us in right paths that we may serve you in truth and action. Amen. God prepares the table for us, offering us a feast of abundant love. Our cups overflow with the bounty of grace, for our shepherd knows us as no one else can. Restoring our souls, healing our brokenness, nourishing us with bread and cup for the life of ministry. Remember how Jesus, our shepherd, took bread and after giving thanks, broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. May I invite the stewards to come forward to distribute the elements of which all partake together. Due to safe distancing measures, kindly wait for our dear stewards to personally hand them to you.
come to the table and feast with the shepherd. Let us partake of these communion elements together with thanksgiving. May I invite you to stand if you're willing and able to, and let's say this together. God of love, you abide with us. Your loving presence stills us. You provide us with all that we need in abundance. Help us love one another in truth and action. Help us give of ourselves to those in need. Help us care for others the way our shepherd cares for us. May our lives reflect our wholehearted trust in our shepherd's everlasting love and care. Amen. Thank you. May be seated. Thank you, Julia, for leading us in communion. And thank you, Pauline, for the sermon, wonderful sermon earlier. A lot of points of reflection in this time of Lent. And um, welcome home and good morning still to every one of us, and uh, our siblings, you know, new and old and, you know, like past. Sometimes we think about like, you know, like, oh, new friends, old friends, people who are members of the church, friends of the church. But I think this morning, I just want to share with everybody that, you know, when we come together as a community, we celebrate the, our one identity that's most important to all of us, that is the beloved children of God. We are worthy and beloved, regardless of whether you think you're new, you're here with FCC for 10 years, 15 years from the very beginning, we are all beloved children of God. So I want to welcome everybody home, back to FCC. Where free stands for, first realize everyone's a shout from the floor. Equal, yes, we're all equal. Equally beloved and worthy of love. Alright? So, if you are first and new, uh, first time joining us or the first few time, uh, you know, new to us, right? I'd like to invite you to reach out to us so that we can serve you and know you better. Right? By scanning a QR code or going to fcc.la slash welcome. And we, we will be able to send an invite out to you so that you can come and join our new Cummins meeting. It's a hybrid meeting. You can join us on-site or join us online, right, on the 27th of March, after the service. So if you are interested, right, fill up the form, or if you have questions, please send an email to info at freecomchurch.org. So, for the next part, we continue to worship the Lord, you know, love the community through our giving, our offering, right? So there are two ways of giving, for, the long, uh, for many of you will know, by scanning a QR code, you can give by paying now to the general fund, which goes to the operations of the church, paying down the salaries and keep the lights running, as they say, right? The other, part, uh, the other fund goes to the building fund that goes down to paying down the monthly mortgage of the church, all right, for the building. So you can go by paying now, or if you are giving by credit card, you can go to freecomchurch.give.asia. And just to have to take note, there a small administration or platform fee when you give by credit card on freecomchurch.give.asia. So while everyone is preparing to give, 
Alright? Those for those who are um, taking up, uh, providing the, dropping a check or cash in the bank, we will take up a collection after the prayer. Alright? So help, to help us prepare ourselves for our offering and giving thanks to the Lord in our lives, may I invite you to join me in a prayer of thanksgiving. God, you are the one who gives and takes away. And your giving and your taking away are all blessings in our lives. Lord, we thank you for being with us through this life journey. In difficult moments, in joyful moments. I invite all of you to take a moment of pause to remember the things that you have received, to remember the things that you have lost. The Lord gives and takes away. And all these are the blessings of God. Lord, we thank you for the blessings we have received from you. Help us, Lord, by give, uh, may your spirit be with us, that you continue to turn our life in, as a blessing to the world, as, for the world, and our community to come together, together with the contribution, the giving, the offerings offered by your community, by your children, continue to be a living sacrifice that's pleasant to you, that helps to create and bring about shalom in this world. We thank you and we love you, Lord. And all of God's people, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So for our next part, um, before I go to announcement, I'd like to invite our students to come forward to take up the offering from those who are giving physically. Just raise up your hand and the students come to you to, for you to drop your offering. First announcement we have, Right, we have been uh, publicizing this and calling, um, you know, calling out for a few weeks now. For the 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 season of Easter, the for uh, Easter is coming. Good Friday and Easter is coming. All right, so we are preparing people who might be interested to know more about the journey of you know the Christian life, right? For our baptism class, and also we are opening up uh, during this season, right, for accepting membership. So, if you are interested in either of these or both of them, scan the QR code register at fcc.la slash 2022 baptism. Right? There will be a baptism class on the 31st of March and a membership class on the 7th of April. You know, it's not a very long, right? Some other churches sometimes you have to go through a whole year of class. Right? So here we have a condensed because we are teaching thanks to a contribution of every member of our, of the congregation and community, right, we were able to digitize over the years. So we have many of our lessons, right, for our membership and our, our baptism class in a digitized version. So when you join this, you can be a more in-depth and more personal engagement with the pastors, alright, together with those the members who are joining the baptism class and membership. So if you are interested, don't, even if you are just considering, I'd like to encourage all of you to sign up. So it's not saying that you sign up, oh, then you must go for baptism, right? It's 
for us to be informed of what we want, uh, we, what we are signing ourselves up to do. Alright? Now, Land Prayer, thank you. I want to thank really Pauline for uh, the past Wednesday, right? Uh, the first Lent uh, prayer series that we has the, the have, right? The, the lesson, Centering Prayer. I, my, myself, Greg, and myself, we are joining in as, as a team. Alright? And it was quite helpful and very interesting to see different responses. Uh, coming from my cell group members. So we really found it really very helpful and helped to open up com- conversations about our spiritual lives. So I really encourage uh, everyone to sign up for this. If you have not signed up, don't miss the next two lessons, alright? That will, be, ha- that will ha- be happening on the 23rd and the 30th of March, 8pm to 9.30pm. Sign up at, send email, no, F- no QR code, info at freecomchurch.org. In fact, I can I like to you know right encourage the cell groups out there right. If you're if you know your cell group is going through a dry season or you are trying to break through for the next you know spiritual uh, spiritual phase, sign up your cell group you know and get get everybody you know uh, together you know to sign up for this and we can participate as a cell group uh, spiritual practice. So the next one the upcoming on the twenty third will be Lexio Divina. So thank you everyone. Look forward to seeing y'all this uh, next this coming Wednesday again. Next, oh, this is calling for we are again right as a member of the board calling for uh, announcement for the FCC one ship board meeting dates for two zero two two. Why are we sharing this? Because we like to invite members of the ch- uh, of the church, all right, uh, out there who may be considering of. Or feeling a call, you know, to think about okay, what more uh, I can do for the church. Maybe it, I have some uh, talents or interests in applying certain corporate financial, or even even maybe you have legal training, all right, to do something for the fiduciary operations of the church, all right. And you feel that God is prompting you, you know, and, but you're not sure. Sometimes you're in the process of discerning, right? We're not sure, you know, like whether this is a right fit, a good ministry for me, whether I can commit to it. Not to worry, you know, we're always by invitation. That's why we are now publicizing our dates, all right, on the, uh, for the upcoming One Ship Board meeting. Why One Ship? I think a, a number of us, uh, of board members, have explained before because we are one team, right? Uh, we don't want to see the, the One Ship is actually a meeting, consists of the members of the board and members of the council. The members of the board runs the operations and the um, fiduciary matters of the church. All right? We are so-called like the elected members of the, uh, of the congregation right? to participate in the process of decision-making uh, in the church, in the operational matters, and appoint, appointment of like, uh, poli- poli- uh, setting up of policies in terms of like, uh, the fi- finalizing or approving policies. And then we have the council members who, who are working very closely with the pastors. They are the leaders of various ministries that come out for the spiritual or various direction for the church. So we work very closely from the operation to the, with, with the council, which involve in the various aspects of the life of the church. So if you want to see how this t- plays out, right, the dynamics, uh, I can tell you, it offers plenty of room for spiritual growth. We all, all of us believe that we are loving people until we are irritated by things, by tasks. So, it's actually a perfect opportunity that, it, at least I speak for myself, it gives me a lot of room to examine my heart, heart, right? 
in terms of time and again, I get reminded what is the spirit of serving God, right? It's about loving people. So if you want to see like, oh, how, 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 how the dynamic, dynamic is, right, right? Is, is like, do come and visit us, all right? Just let the, either the pastors or any of our members know, hey, I'm interested. Or you can just drop an email and say, hey, I'm rejoining you. Right? The location, we are having hybrid meetings, so you can actually come on, uh, on-site to the church to observe the meetings, or you can join us on Microsoft Teams, so it can be physical or online. It runs from uh, uh, 9.30am to 1pm. Right? It may run longer if there's a long agenda. Right? I don't want to sugarcoat things, but not scaring you away, of course. It will be fun, I uh, promise you, those watching in. Alright, so email us to uh, at the info at freecomchurch.org if you'd like to join us. Uh, however, this is only the of, open to the official members of the church. Alright, so yeah, if you're in doubt, right, not sure whether I'm a member of church, I've forgotten whether I pay membership fee, not to worry. You can also send in your email to info at freecomchurch.org and Daniel, our church staff, will be checking it for you. So we have come to the end of the announcement. May I now invite uh, Pauline? To give us the benediction. Thank you. So thank you, Jimmy, for explaining so um, beautifully, actually, how the board and the council and the pastors work together. Um, they're such a valuable and such an important team of people who uh, actually helps to keep this church alive. So I'm, I'm so, so thankful for all of them. So if you want to know a little bit more, do join us you know, for the meetings. Just sit in observe and um, yeah we'll see how that goes as we go along okay and so now we reach the end of the service and if you are able and willing would you stand for the benediction may we grow not to what was but instead towards what we can become through sowing through waiting through withering, may God help us to become all that God has created us to be. So now go. Go as God's people who are so beloved, people who are filled with hope, people who experience death and resurrection in our lives so that we become all that God has created us to be. And may the God of love and resurrection go with you always. Amen. So thank you for joining us today for worship. I hope to see you again next week and so have a blessed week ahead. Thank God be with you.